Welcome to On The Way, where we walk through scripture in episodes that are short enough that you can listen to them on the way to your destination and deep enough to help you on the way to becoming who God created you to be. We are being sanctified. We've not yet reached perfection. We are not yet in heaven, but we are on the way. Hello, welcome to episode 19 of On The Way. This is our 11th episode in the book of Hebrews. Today we're going to finish chapter 10 and go all the way through chapter 11. There's a transition that happens at the end of Hebrews 10. The author has been giving us a theology lesson so far, but now the conversation changes from a total focus on Jesus and what he did on the cross to now what Jesus' greatness means to us. And in doing this, the author is really going to start pastoring these Hebrew Christians that he's writing to. So Hebrews 10.19 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. He's saying, hey, Hebrew people, you've spent your whole life looking up to these great priests who are so special that they get to go into the most holy place, the holy of holies, the innermost part of the Jewish temple. But the author is saying now, now you're the priests. Now you are cleansed of your sins and made worthy to sacrifice to God, to minister to others, and even to fellowship with God. In fact, Paul tells the Christians that we are God's temple. We didn't just get to go into the holy of holies. We are the holy of holies. We are the most holy place. Holy Spirit left the Jerusalem temple and set up shop in us. What does that mean? If we are the most holy place, we have been made holy. We have been cleansed of all sins, cleansed of all unrighteousness. It's 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. He's faithful. He will always hold up his end of the deal. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. And this isn't the kind of hope where we're saying, Oh, I hope maybe someday possibly. This is a confident hope that believes, that knows that God has made us holy. In addition, the author of Hebrews says that we can boldly enter the most holy place. And that's significant because I don't get the sense that anyone entered the most holy place confidently, not even the high priest. In fact, there's a tradition that says that the high priest of Israel would enter the most holy place in the temple or tabernacle with a rope tied around his foot, and he'd put bells around his waist. So the tradition says that when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur, another priest in the the holy place, so that's the outer part of the sanctuary, held the other end of the rope. So if the high priest's sins were not properly atoned for, if he hadn't followed God's ceremonial laws just perfectly, then he would fall down dead in the presence of the Shekinah, the glory of God that filled the most holy place. And since nobody else could enter the holy place to go in and get him after he fell down dead, the priests would need a way to get the body out of the most holy place. So that was the purpose of the rope, to pull the body out. And the jingle bells, they were the sign that the priest had fallen to the ground dead. It's a powerful reminder of God's holiness and how we should praise Jesus for the direct access to God's throne that he provides. And because God is holy, 
He cannot be in the presence of sinful people. If he is, sinful people die. So then the author turns his attention to how we should live our lives. Now that we are in the most holy place, and now that we are the most holy place, how should we live? Now that we have been made holy, Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. He says we should think of ways. In other words, don't just expect it to happen naturally. Get creative. Find creative ways to inspire and encourage each other. Intentionally get together and support each other. Help us to become who we were created to be. He says in verse 25, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This is a big plug for church. Go to church. Gather with the saints. Don't neglect gathering together. In other words, make church a priority. And if you're tempted to think church is old-fashioned, that the world has evolved past its need for God, then you should recognize that Jesus is coming back. And we have to get together to prepare ourselves for his return. Then the author turns his attention to what will happen if we don't. Verse 26 says, Dear friends, If we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover their sins. In other words, if you keep rejecting the gospel, God's offer for grace, if you you continually reject God, there aren't any other sacrifices or salvation opportunities for you. The only way is belief, surrender to God. You can't expect to find salvation some other way through good works or anything like that. If you keep rejecting Jesus, the result will be hell. Yes, hell is real. Verse 27 says, There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. Scripture tells us that while we are sinning, we are actually God's enemies. When we are living in our sin, when our sins are not cleansed, we are God's enemies. Verse 28 says, For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God. Verse 31 says, It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So this is hard to hear, but it's so good. Remember, God is holy, and if we aren't made holy, we are actually God's enemy. He offered us peace. He offered us an alliance. But if we reject that alliance, then we have declared war against him. We are his enemies. Then in chapter 11, the author turns his attention to faith. What does it look like to hope in the Lord, to come boldly into the most holy place? It means that we trust him no matter what. Even if our eyes deceive us and our minds tell us that God is not good or that that we're alone, we don't believe in God because we've seen him. We put our trust in God because we have faith. Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. The world tells us that that the world was created by an accidental big bang, but not us. We see God's plan. We see his purpose. Verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Chapter 11 of Hebrews is a famous passage because it puts away this idea that people in the Old Testament were saved by their good works. 
Sometimes we're tempted to think the Old Testament saints that, that they were saved by obeying all the laws because there's so many laws that we assume that following them is what saved them. But this passage is blatantly clear that that is not the case. The key to salvation has always been faith. So this chapter goes through a long list of heroes of the Old Testament saying that they were saved by their faith. It talks about Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and more. Then verse 13 says, All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. The person chapter 11 talks about most is Abraham. Remember, remember, God told Abraham he's going to be the father of a great nation. Then God told him to go kill his son. God, those two things don't line up. If I'm going to be the father of a great nation, I need a son. But Abraham obeyed anyway. That is faith. Romans 4, 2 through 5 says, If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Same is true for us today. If we could follow enough laws, avoid enough sin, and kill enough animals to save ourselves, we'd be pretty proud of ourselves. But we can't. So our only pride is in God. The chapter concludes with this, Hebrews eleven thirty nine. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. So the people of the old covenant, they were saved, but not like we are saved. Their salvation was in a holding pattern until Jesus could come to make it possible for them to enter God's kingdom. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice that is so great that it goes forward to save us in the future, and it even goes backward into history to save those who had faith in you before you ever even came to earth. And that takes us through Hebrews 11. Next week is the last week of this season. Next week we'll finish Hebrews with Hebrews 12 and 13. I think next semester we're going to go through a gospel. I'm thinking about picking the book of John. Uh, Stay tuned for that. If you're getting together with a group to discuss this episode, we've included some discussion questions in the show notes. And if you have time, spend a few moments in prayer before your gathering. Ask God to use these passages to form you into the person he created you to be. Thank you for joining me for this episode of On the Way. Here are the discussion questions for this episode. Number one, the most holy place in the Jerusalem temple was a terrifying place because God's fierce presence was there and would kill anyone unworthy who entered. How does it make you feel that we can boldly enter the most holy place? Number two, Hebrews 10.24 tells us to think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. What are some practical ways that you can encourage the faith of your family and friends? Number three, Hebrews 10.27 talks about a raging fire that will consume God's enemies. Romans 5.10 and Romans 8.7 tell us that before we were God's children, we were his enemies. Do you see your unsaved friends as God's enemies? Number four, Hebrews 11 makes it very clear that people have been saved by faith in God, not by good works. Under the Old Covenant, why did the Jews have to continually offer sacrifices if they were saved by faith? 